No, so we got we got uh, October baseball. We got hockey. We got Thursday night football tomorrow night. Then you got Friday night lights. Then you got Saturday big games all over the place. Then Sunday you get to recoup with NFL Red Zone. Monday you have Monday night football. Tuesday Tuesdays really suck. And then Wednesdays it's like, hey, normally we have something going on. You know, I, this is the best time of year, man. My favorite time of year is happening right now. It's October, people. I love me some October. You get right in the middle of football season. You got kind of figure out which teams are going to compete for a national championship. Who's going to be the surprise teams? Who ended up? being the teams that didn't play as well as everybody thought from the preseason, the overhyped teams. Uh, and then you got baseball season, playoffs, the Braves in game two right now. Try to get them on the TV. For some reason, Keys doesn't have the right cable package. I have no idea what's going on right now. But I'm Blade freaking Fox, out. Man. It's zero to zero. They're playing across the street from here, and we can't even get on the dang TV. But, uh, you know, we're rolling, having a good time, enjoying the uh, fall weather also. It feels pretty good besides the rain today. There we go. We got we got the Braves rolling on the uh on the stream over here. So Marcelo Marcelo Zuna. Why is he still on the baseball team? I don't know. Was it you guys that sent that meme? Marcelo Zuna, designated driver? No. Designated hitter? Yes. He could do whatever he wants. He could, he will not get kicked off the Braves. He he's getting paid way too much money. Yeah, it's, he's paid too much money and there's no way out of his contract. So you 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 take that wall up and you pray to God that he does something that is at least like a quarter of redeeming to what he's done in the past year and a half. If he just hits me one home run per at bat, I'll be happy. Yeah, yeah. If you if he had a one home run per at bat for the entire postseason, I mean that's that's ruined now. But uh, <laughs> oh God, I I can't tell. You know. It's on the TV. So. Uh, well, he just he popped up to center field, uh, but if he if he did that, then I maybe I'd be like, okay, Marcelo Zuna, not not that bad of a of, of a signing. He's been horrible though. He's in two twenty six. Oh, don't remind me. Don't remind me. Well, anyway, let's talk a little bit about some football, dude. I want to talk about Alabama. All Alabama. Right, let's talk Alabama playing Texas A and M Saturday night. Brian Denny. Matt talking mad shit last week before the game. He's going talking about AM, you know, after last year when in that game in College Station, they um had all the drama with Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. Granted, I picked Alabama to win by maybe a billion points. And that game was a little too close for comfort, Matt. I, I bet you were uh you were reeling right there at the end. Yeah, so you you missed my the, the other part of my take was it sh- it could be closer than it should be, and it was closer than it should be, and a big part of that was because you had Jalen Milrow turn the ball over three times, uh, inexperienced quarterback play. Look, man, honestly, I just got to shout out that Alabama defense because they played really 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 well last week. I know that A and M is not exactly a juggernaut of an offense. But Alabama's defense really balled out. I, I don't know if it was all 20. I think it was just 17. Their 17 of the 20 or all 20 points came off of turnovers. Milrow fumbled. That was whenever uh, right after Alabama just uh, had a three and out on defense. And then Milrow fumbles. AM gets the ball right back. They drive down the field, score a touchdown. Same thing happened again later on in the game. And it was like, then Milrow fumbled, or no, it was uh, Jason McClellan that fumbled the the ball and uh, the last one when they scored. But Alabama's defense played really well. So what was weird about that game was I really was like, I was feeling okay. I was like, all right, we're, we're going to eventually bust this open. We're going to eventually bust this open. And then it was like halfway through the fourth quarter, and I was like, why have we not – why are we not killing them right now? And I really just think – I. I I think it was a combo of missing number nine on the field and Bill O'Brien's play calling not being towards Jalen Milrow's strengths. Yeah, I think I agree with that too. And honestly, Texas A&M played the best game they've played all season. 100%. I mean, Haynes King comes in at quarterback, takes over for Max Johnson. Who Max Johnson, when he got put in the uh, A&M offense... I don't think he did a ton. I mean, he didn't look that great. But to me, I thought he was at least better than Haynes King was. Um, and then Haynes King gets thrown back into the Alabama game. 
he played pretty well. Evan Stewart, that five-star freshman wide receiver, looked like an absolute superstar. Dude had a great game. Um, I, I think Alabama's secondary probably could use some work. Um, and I, I think me and you can agree, too. Alabama's a work in progress, same as Georgia is this year uh, for now. And uh, we got a lot of season to play, but Bama's got a big one coming up. Yeah, and and even put this in the in the the group meet earlier this week. Like I really do believe, and it felt like in that game, which I knew A and M's defense was good coming into it. I felt like their defense has played really well all year long. Like they were, they've been really had a really athletic secondary. Uh, aside from that game against Mississippi State, where they played, they didn't play really well. They even that Miami game, like there's been, there were several games where they just played really well. They matched up. The receivers didn't really get a lot of separation. So I knew that their defense was going to be the challenge coming in. And then, you know, we played the way we played. And honestly, I think that that was kind of for the best because now you're not going into Tennessee. And then on, on the flip side, Tennessee beat the doors off of LSU in Baton Rouge. And so it's kind of one of those weeks where – Tennessee has a lot of rat poison on the table and the the rat poison as Nick Saban called the rat poison going into SEC championship week last week is uh this is the yummy rat poison that Alabama needs and hopefully is motivated uh in practice all all week this week because this is going to be a nasty game on Saturday. Yeah, I know Nick Saban, I mean you don't come away from a game like how they played against A&M and then not play the best game of the season the, the next week. That's just how Nick Saban rolls. Um, I think honestly think with Bama, it's going to come down to is Bryce Young going to play in this game? And if he does play, is he healthy? Because I think the one thing that could be worse than having Jalen Milrow as a starting quarterback for Alabama is having Bryce Young come in and play with a hurt shoulder. Because if that's the case and Bryce Young can't throw the ball and there's no passing offense, Bama is going to be in real trouble. I know Tennessee's defense isn't that great. They're definitely improved from last year, but still just not that good of a unit. But their offense is so powerful. It's it's going to be tough to keep up with them, for sure, even for Alabama. Yeah, and and that's where it's going to – last year it was a slugfest there for a little bit. It was back and, a lot of back and forth. I think Bryce Young is going to be the difference maker, but I will say having the, – the part that worries me the most about this game is it's on the road. Like – a home game makes it at least a little bit easier for communication purposes as far as, like, offensively if Jalen Milrow were to play. Uh, so being on the road, that makes it a little more intimidating. But, look, the the thing with him is, like, I didn't – it's kind of crazy to think. there was He had he was like Jekyll and Hyde. Like, he would make a really good throw. Then he would turn around and he would snap the ball. And rather than stepping up in the pocket and waiting for something to happen – he would just take off running and roll right. And so second drive of the game, and this is why I believe wholeheartedly, a healthy Bryce Young, we would have killed A&M. The way that – what happened on that second drive of the game, it's second and eight. We're in plus territory, moving the ball really well. Toro gets a snap and then runs into an eight-yard sack because he felt a little bit of pressure. And then rather rather than just stepping up into the pocket – or moving inside of the pocket, he like tried to bail out and he ran himself into a sack. And now you've got a third and 16, and that's not really manageable for the kind of offensive game plan that Bill O'Brien had. And then the when Alabama got the ball, there was like, um, I guess, two minutes left. It was down in that time where, you know, it was third and three. And even Colin, uh, not Collinsworth, uh, Gary and Nestler were like, you could see the way that Bill O'Brien is called late in this game that he doesn't trust Jalen Milrow on this third and three. If Bryce Young's in, you're running from the shotgun and you're probably going to run uh, an RPO with uh, a couple of slants. You're going to have Latu going out on a little out. You're going to throw the ball for the first down, but A&M knew that they weren't going to do that. They were loading the box. We were trying to run with the, with the, with the horses and just get, give Gibbs the ball and let him run the clock down. They get the stop. There was just a lot of things that were called in that game that I think Milrow needs to improve on. But look, at the end of the day, win's a win. We move on. It's all that matters is you want to know that for the week. And, uh, you know, hey, hopefully uh, we we improve on things. And in Tennessee, this is going to be a tough test for us this week. Um, been a while since I haven't smoked a cigar on the third Saturday in October. So uh, 
hopefully that tradition continues for another year. And that would be 16 years in a row of cigars for me in October. 16 years of cigars for you? See, 07 was the first time they won. I was 15. No cigar for me then. But <laughs> you know, and that's... I was about to say, man, you spoke of cigars at a young age, my friend. <laughs> you know I mean? I guess people, I mean, it's, you know, it's South Georgia boys, they get it to a little earlier, though. I, I understand how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, <laughs> I, I was... I was already dipping at 13 and you know, all that stuff. So why not? Why not have the cigar? <laughs> Just jump right into it. Sorry. Sorry, Mrs. Howell. <laughs> Let's go ahead and ruin your image of your son. Um, either way, that A&M uh, Alabama game was pretty shocking. Another game I thought was just unbelievably shocking was the Texas Oklahoma game. I knew Ooh. I knew Oklahoma after the TCU game. Like this wasn't this is not a normal Oklahoma team. You could tell they lost a lot more this season than everybody thought they did, and they just weren't kind of finding their pace, especially on defense. But I did not expect Texas to not only shut them out, but score over 60 points on them. And, yeah, Quinn Ewers came back, so Quinn Ewers looked phenomenal. Um, I think you can tell, obviously, Texas is a completely different team with him at quarterback than they are with Hudson Card. But either way, Oklahoma, I mean, they didn't even look like there's any life in them. And Brenton Venables had some good things to say after the game. I still think he's going to be the guy for Oklahoma. I think he's going to do a good job. Me and Lando have had conversations about it off the show. Um, but, I mean, the way that Texas rolled in that game is just scary to watch. Quinn Ewers is healthy all year. Oh, Texas is undefeated. I, I honestly believe it. I think they would have beaten Alabama in that game. And you have, you know, the the they lost to who did they lose to Kansas State, Texas Tech, and double overtime. Oklahoma lost to Kansas State. Yeah, Texas Tech. So none of those losses happen if if Quinn Ewers is healthy. That offense is a completely different animal with him because he can stretch the field downfield so much better than Hudson Card can. And Xavier Worthy is a freak. And with that, when that side of the game gets going, that's where Bijan Robinson really can shine because it opens running lanes even better. They're able to get the ball to him in space, and it. Ewers is a dynamic quarterback, but I, I agree, man. I did not see that coming at all. I did think Texas was going to win, but it to me it felt like Texas and Oklahoma were kind of in this spot of finding their identity and seeing where they could where they would both be, and Oklahoma has some questions to answer. I think that there's a lot of guys like, yeah, Oklahoma lost a lot, but they also brought in a good bit too. I mean, Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy were brought in to make sure that the offense still ran smoothly and they couldn't get anything going. They scored zero points against Texas. Yeah, and honestly, I think a large part of that is because Dylan Gabriel did not play in this game. They had that Bevel guy who, I don't know if you actually got a chance to watch the game. He is awful. I mean, even Lando would tell you the same thing. Dude is absolutely terrible. I mean, honestly, if you go back and watch the TCU game, go back and watch the Texas game, you can tell there's a complete shift in the Oklahoma team in general without Dylan Gabriel in the ballgame. Um, either way, you can tell Oklahoma is not what they should be. There's definitely some holes on the team, especially at defense. Uh, Venables obviously has not really had a chance to do what he needs to do for the team. But either way, um, Dylan Gabriel comes back this week. They get Kansas. That's going to be a big game, too. If Oklahoma loses, what, was, what would this be, four in a row? Uh, I think this would be the, the first time. In, I mean, it's the first time in what? I think they said it was like 15 or 20 years that they lost three in a row. Adding that fourth, especially to Kansas. That's a tough, tar uh, tough start, no matter who you are, even if you are Brent Vanables with Oklahoma. Yeah, and I didn't really get to watch any of the game. I was following it on the bottom line. Uh, the the noon the noon window. I was pretty busy this week. It was Maddox's first birthday, so I was following bottom line stuff. So I did not know that Dylan Gabriel did not play in the game. I I just assumed that he did, and I was that that was a head scratcher. So bad look though for Venables. I mean, I think I, I agree though. He's probably the guy is probably the guy, but with the transfer portal, he's not going to have as long to figure it out. I'm not going to give him. I think that Brent Venables has three years to get it, like including this year. So he's got this year, next year, they better see some improvement. And then year three, 
is whenever they better be rolling because they're also going to be in the SEC. And that is when, if, if he doesn't have it rolling by then, there's going to be some real conversations going on. No, I completely agree. And uh, I'll say one team, too, that's also really surprised me is TCU. Um, watching that Kansas game, got to watch the entire noon slate this week uh, because I chose to spend most of my ber- Saturday birthday watching football. And especially in the beginning of the day, I didn't have that much going on. So I got to watch every single game. TCU looks phenomenal. Max Duggan looks fantastic. I mean, I think right now you could call Max Duggan the best quarterback that no one actually pays attention to. Um, and then adding in the rest of the players on that offense. Defense looked really good, too. I mean, even Kansas. Kansas lost their best player uh, sometime in the middle of the second quarter and threw in their backup quarterback, and they still rolled. I mean, the offense looked better just with uh, Jason Bean than they even did with Jalen Daniels. So uh, it's it. the Big 12 is a very, very interesting conference this year, which is really funny considering that it's about to completely implode in, what, was it two years? I think it's 25 I wouldn't be surprised if it was next year, though, because they made Georgia and Oklahoma change, cancel their home and home for next year in Norman, Oklahoma. So I think technically it's scheduled for 25, but who knows? I have a feeling it's this is going to be the last year with the Big 12 and the SEC looking the way they do. I mean, they've been talking about doing the buyout. They talked about doing it before this year, um, but I have a feeling – they're just waiting for it to get to a certain level, and now and then they're going to look at it and go, all right, $75 billion, that's chump change. Let's just go ahead and spend the money and be done with it. Go ahead and get the team. Like, I mean, because in the end, honestly, I mean, I, I don't know how much the, the buyout is. I can't even remember. But either way, the SEC is probably going to make more money having Oklahoma and Texas jump ship early than they would if they waited until after the buyout, so... I definitely see it happening. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. The Big 12, looking at it right now, Oklahoma State looks pretty good. TCU looks pretty good. They both look like programs in general that could continue to grow moving forward. Kansas, same. Uh, Baylor, actually right now, is on the bottom of the Big 12 uh, spectrum, which after last year with Dave Aranda, I had a feeling they would be the new top dog. But right now, they absolutely are not. Yeah, I was I was with you on the Baylor the Baylor side. But TCU, I watched more of that game than any in the tw- in the noon window. Uh, the the noon window, I had TCU on and flipping between that and uh, I honestly don't even remember what other what, what other game I had on. It was in the background, so like I would turn and look and be like, "Oh crap!" But I saw uh, more of the TCU game than any of the other ones in that noon window. And TCU, to me. From what I've seen from them this year, looks like the best team in the Big 12 overall from top to bottom. Uh, Kansas, still don't really know what to think about them. I don't think TCU is going to go undefeated. It just seems like everyone in the Big 12 is really, really close to each other. Uh, uh, Minus Oklahoma. Oklahoma has kind of fallen off. Baylor isn't playing really well right now, which is surprising to me because I expected them to win the Big 12 this year again. They just had that kind of momentum coming off the Sugar Bowl. But who knows, man? Think of Baylor's struggles like that. I could see Dave Aranda leaving sooner rather than later. Yeah, especially with this offseason. I think we're going to have multiple jobs that are going to be interesting for a guy like Dave Aranda who has already shown, I mean, in in just his two years there uh, before this year, he grew Baylor from being a pretty much complete dumpster fire just because of the fact that they had everything that happened with uh, Art Bryles, and then Matt Rule came in. Matt Rule kind of did the same thing Dave Aranda did, gave him two years, went on and lost in the Sugar Bowl. Um, and then Dave Aranda came in. Last year, they looked like a team that just the way they played football was something that was very uh, continuous. Like, it's something that they were going to build upon. Um, but so far this year, haven't really seen it, but I also think that's because they lost a lot of guys on defense, and last year they absolutely rode that defense. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump into our pour one out, cut them off segment. Matt, who are you pouring one out for? I am pouring one out for postseason baseball. Uh, a lot of really good games yesterday. The Braves lost, uh, unfortunately, but it came back. They made the had the Olsen had the three run bomb in the ninth, made it interesting there. The Astros hit the three run walk off home run. A uh, lot of great baseball has been happening. So I love postseason baseball. This is the the best time of year. It's 
162 games to before you finally get to a point where you feel like you're uh you're, you're like really rolling. And the Mets played exactly three postseason games before they were gone. So hopefully the Braves can win tonight. Uh, win tomorrow night, or they'll be off tomorrow night. Win, win two in Philly, and uh, move on to the NLCS, where we're most likely going to face the Dodgers or the, but probably the Dodgers, but could be the Padres. Uh, AL on that on that side, I'm pulling for the Mariners all the way. I want to see the Mariners. They, 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 poor fans have been tortured so bad. So a lot of good baseball going on. The Mariners, unfortunately. Uh, we're on the receiving end of that Astros walk-off, so we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, the Indians and the Yankees in a, in, a, in a series, we'll see if the Indians pitching can continue to do well. They lost in game one, so it's going to be an interesting interesting postseason here. And then I am cutting off 11 a.m. Central kicks and noon kicks because I just – I hate the fact that – I mean, I love it in ways because it's like, all right, it's noon and we get football. But sometimes I've got chores because I'm an adult now on Saturdays, and there's things that needs to happen. And I wind up missing a lot of good football games on that 11 a.m. or noon window, or I have to do my push my chores back later into the evening, and I miss good football in the afternoon. It's just not acceptable – to have noon kickoffs, just squeeze them all at the same time afternoon, especially if it's in a central time zone. Like if, if whenever I go to Tuscaloosa or Oxford, I don't want to have to get up at 7 a.m. to tailgate. It's the weekend. I want to be able to wake up at moderately decent time, like, you know, eight or nine, casually stroll to the quad or the grove, enjoy myself. Then walk into the game at about 1.30 for a 2.30 kickoff. I don't need to get up at 7 a.m. and have to be in the stadium by 10.45 so I can get to my seat for an 11 a.m. kick. It's ridiculous. So I'm cutting off 11 a.m. Central noon kicks. Matt, I'm going to keep the anger going with what you just said. I'm cutting off fall weddings, and I know we've cut them off. I think we've done it every single week so far this year. At least every year. At we've least for, for sure every year. I mean, I, I, I honestly, I, I hate them. I really hate them. Uh, but for me, I was supposed to go to the Kentucky-Georgia game this year. Uh, I have a hotel booked. It's still booked right now, um, and I can cancel it thanks to Hilton Honors. Uh, no free shout-outs, though. But either way, um, that's, com- that's coming up November, uh, I believe it's 19th is the weekend. And, uh, and I just found out, I think it was last week, got the invitation in the mail. I've had to save the date on my fridge for about six months, completely forgot about it. Uh, and I just found out I have a wedding in Macon, Georgia that weekend. And I'm very excited about it. It's two really good friends of mine. It's a wedding I don't want to miss, uh, but it's also, it's a fall wedding. I was excited to go ahead and cross Kentucky off my list. I uh, get to check it off the SEC in-game bucket list. Uh, I've already had... Started recruiting some people to go with me on my journey. Uh, it really wasn't that far of a drive. So, um, and now Georgia won't play there for another two years. So now I got to wait two more years, or I got to wait for Georgia Southern to maybe somehow for some reason play there, or maybe I'll just go anyway. I don't know. We'll find out. But anyway, that prolongs my my trip up there. So all because of this wedding, and because people have to get married, and because love is real. So. Um, <laughs> so I'm cutting is it, off. Is love real? It's it's very real. Love is real. Um, it is very real, and we have to celebrate it, even if it means uh, ruining your life. So, uh, fall weddings, you're cut off. And on a more positive note, um, going along with the foot college football theme, I am pouring one out for night games, and not only because night games easily the best slot to be in if you're going to a game. Uh, nothing better than watching a football team play under the lights, but also because in a week and a half from today, give or take, me and Matt will be in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, sitting at Brian Denny Stadium. Uh, although, even though I hate them, I hate Alabama with all my heart. Brian Denny's pretty cool. Never been to a game in Alabama, and they got those cool, pretty lights now. So now I get to go watch the pretty lights. I get to watch Alabama play Mississippi State for homecoming. My first game. In Bryant Denny uh, for like a literal game day. I've been inside the stadium before, but I haven't got to see the lights, haven't got to see the field painted, haven't got to experience a game. So very excited to get to go with two good friends of mine that are Alabama fans and uh, my good buddy Matt. So 
should be a good time and i am super excited it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one get your first dixieland delight experience it's gonna be electric oh, i'm so jealous i'm trying to decide what colors i'm gonna wear though because I'm, I'm obviously not gonna wear alabama gear i can't do that as a georgia fan i can't do that we're white i think i'm gonna wear my todd Gurley jersey <laughs> probably gonna be the todd Gurley jersey That's maybe the nick chubb roseville jersey um, I'm, I might, maybe, you know, maybe I'll just go get a Stetson Bennett jersey, just a do national have a, do you champions. you have a natty jersey? You didn't get no, one. they don't make them. I mean, I think there's like some cheap knockoff ones, but okay. uh, I definitely would have bought one. <laughs> oh, I, I think I bought everything else for the national championship oh, last geez, year. You know what makes a lot of money? Yeah, no, I'm freaking yeah, loaded, Woodward bro. So I would have bought money. everything. I'd buy the world if I could. Either way. Also, I got one more pouring out. Pouring one out for AA. Two reasons. Number one. He signed Michael Harris, who should win Rookie of the Year this year, to an eight-year, $72 million contract. That's $9 million a year. AA is the best general manager in baseball. There's no doubt. He's locked down so much young talent for the Braves that it's phenomenal. Um, I can't see the game right now, so I don't really know how he's playing at, in the moment. Uh, he was sitting third for us. Now he's sitting like sixth. I think he hit eighth or, or seventh yesterday. Uh, I don't really know why that's the case. But either way. Phenomenal center fielder, too. Great. I mean, he's probably been our best hitter for average, at the very least, this year. Uh, I think he's hitting, what, 297? Something like that, or up until yesterday he was. But uh, he's locked down. And number two, the Braves had a rain delay today. Game was supposed to start at 435. The game got pushed to 730, but fans obviously were already in the battery, having a good time, getting ready to go to the game. So AA, I don't know if this was his decision or not, but I'm going to give him the credit for it. He decides to open up the gates at 3 p.m. and cut all concessions, including alcohol, in half. All the prices. So from 3 p.m. up until the beginning of the game, that's almost four, that's four and a half, almost five hours. We had Braves fans hanging out in the stadium, drinking half-price beer, and getting drunk. Getting rowdy. Getting rowdy. Getting ready for this Game 2 game against the Phillies. Uh I don't even know the score right now because I do not, we don't have it on the TV. I'm going to keep saying that throughout the entire episode. <laughs> it's going to blame zero, you. Zero. <laughs> okay, it's still 0-0. Zero, zero. Zero. But either way, I bet, I mean, just judging from the first inning, I got to watch the first inning before I came over here, it was a loud crowd. It was loud. It was packed. Uh, after a rain delay especially, it's very, very rare to see that. So uh, shout out to AA, man. He's he's doing some big things for the Braves. Even if, you know, uh, yeah, that probably wasn't even him, but I'm just going to give him credit for it because why not? <laughs> Keys. Who you pouring one out for? I'm pouring one out for Will Rogers, the Mississippi State quarterback who set the SEC completion record this past week uh, with his 922nd completion. Uh, he just passed Aaron Murray, who did the same thing in 52 games that he was able to do in 28. So that's kind of impressive. Yeah. <laughs> with, a, there, with a big there goes Murphy. There goes all of Aaron Murray's accomplishments in yeah, college. pretty much. So good for, uh, good for Will Rogers. Uh, that's really quick to get to that many completions and i'm going to be cutting off atlanta traffic because i took me over an hour and a half to get home today come down 75 part of it was probably the braves traffic and we live right by the stadium the other part is these people just keep moving to atlanta man and they keep wondering what the traffic's for it's them they're the traffic so move back <laughs> to where you came from some of you can stay if we like you enough but well, cutting off Atlanta traffic. I take full blame on that. I moved back here from Nashville. I should have just stayed up there. No, you were Tra here first. The traffic, traffic in Atlanta is absolutely dreadful. If you don't live here, if you're listening to this show and you don't live in Atlanta already, do not move here. Please. Please. Not even because it sucks, because you suck. And the people <laughs> here suck. We're full. Go home. We're full. There's too many people here. It's like trying to go to a bar where there's when you're at capacity. Like You can't even get into the bar. You can't get a drink. It's no like, fun. You're not having fun unless you're like so drunk you don't even know where you're at, and you don't you don't want to be that in Atlanta. Trust me. Um, so that that's a good one. That's a good one. And uh, as someone who's an Atlanta implant, yeah, don't move here. It's not that great. <laughs> you, you don't live, you live in, in you live in Gainesville. <laughs> doesn't you live count. In you live in, exactly. You live in Cumming. That doesn't count at all. Completely it's different. Cumming is Atlanta. Okay, no, it is South not Florida, at all. Not even close. If you're from South Georgia, everything north of McDonough is Atlanta. <laughs> Until you get to Blue Ridge, and then you're in Tennessee. Oh, my goodness. Not even close. You think Dalton? You're going to call Dalton, Georgia, Atlanta? Adult, I, Dal Dalton's Tennessee. <laughs> oh God. Rome, Georgia's Atlanta. 
Rome, Georgia. Rome, Georgia. Georgia. Rome, Georgia's Atlanta. That's Alabama. No, Rome, Georgia. <laughs> it's Alabama. <laughs> All right. All right, moving on. Let's go ahead and get to our locks of the week. Matt. Give me the Ole Miss Rebels, 14.5-point favorites, over the Auburn Tigers in Oxford, Mississippi. I really do believe that uh, that, that, that the, the, the Jackson Dart really had a coming-out party last week against Vandy in the second half. Obviously, the Ole Miss didn't play well in the first half. Uh, I think it was a little bit of a hangover from a big weekend against Kentucky. Uh, with homecoming and all the festivities and how rowdy it was. I fully expect Vaught Hemingway to be packed out just like that with the same energy this weekend for Auburn. Uh, so I think the I think Ole Miss is going to go in there and beat the crap out of the Tigers with the bird that flies around. Go uh, Rebs, hotty toddy, by a lot. So my lock this week is really more of an upset pick than it is a lock. Uh, but I'm so confident in the upset. I'm taking it as my lock of the week. I'm taking Florida State plus three and a half over Clemson. Clemson, number four team in the country, has had some pretty good wins lately. Uh, blew out Boston College last week. Uh, they got a good win over NC State two weeks ago. Three weeks ago, they got the win over Wake Forest. Um, pretty much all those teams are pretty solid. Boston College really isn't that good. Either way, Clemson's coming in this game. They've had a couple tough, had a couple t- tough ones. They're going into Doak Campbell Stadium. This is going to be the biggest game for Florida State in the last couple years, mostly because Florida State fans actually have belief in their team as a program uh, for what I think is the first time since Jimbo Fisher was there. So it'll be really cool to see Florida State pack out the stadium. This game is very, very under the radar. Not a lot of people are circling this one. Um, And plus, it's a night game as well. It's a 730 kickoff. Uh, games on ABC. It's it's going to be a very well watched game. Um, people don't understand that Florida State and Clemson are also huge rivals as well. I think Jordan Travis comes in has a huge game against Clemson secondary. Um, I think DJ starts to revert back to the DJ that we know and love, who isn't throwing for 350 yards a game. I don't really think Clemson's wide receivers are that strong either, um, even with what they've done against NC State and Wake Forest. Um, so I'm going Florida State. I think they win the game. They absolutely are going to cover. I think they at least keep it within three. If they lose, it's some kind of wanky walk-off field goal that Clemson wins by one by or something. Something stupid. But I'm, I'm going to go Florida State. I think they went outright. Keys, you got a lock this week? Yeah, surprise, surprise. I'm going to go ahead and pick the Georgia Southern game again. Uh, not going to be good this week. James Madison coming into a Paulson Stadium this week. James Madison started the season off really well. They got a got a win over Virginia Tech. You know, even though Virginia Tech is Virginia Tech, it's still a good win for them. And they've rolled to five and zero, and they've rolled right into the top twenty five at the number twenty five spot. So number twenty five comes to Paulson. Uh, James Madison's a twelve point favorite in this game. I I'd, I'd be surprised if they didn't win by more with how Georgia Southern's been playing lately. I could probably take about fifteen points on that. Yep, I'd say that's a good pick. Good way to roll into our Georgia Southern pick of the week. Matt, we got James Madison heading into the toughest place to play in college football, Paulson Stadium uh, in Statesboro, Georgia. Like he said, Georgia Southern is a 12-point underdog. Who are you picking? Yeah, uh, let me just go ahead and say this. James Madison, in tw- the, the year of our Lord 2022, is... Georgia Southern, the year of our Lord, 2014, where they when they came into the Sun Belt, they roll through, they get a top 25 ranking. So a cautionary tale, James Madison, don't do what Georgia Southern's administration did and hire Tyson Summers. Actually, go <laughs> ahead, do it. Hire Tyson Summers as your head coach. I'll be honest, I really have not been impressed from what I've seen from Southern this year as a whole. Like they've they have spurts of looking really good, but a lot of what I see from them is just very flat and not great. And I don't completely blame Clay Helton. I just don't think he's got his guys in there yet. It's really hard to go from the system that he want that he wants to run that he had to the system he wants to run. I uh, don't think Kyle Van Treese is really we're uh we're going to be able to hang our hat on at the end of the day and say, yeah, I got a good feeling about this one, but hopefully 
Clay Helton can get some guys in and, and it gets better. I think Georgia Southern loses this game. I think the reason it's a 12-point it's only a 12-point game is because it is in Paulson and it is a tough place to play. And it's where dreams go to die for top 25 teams. And that's why I'm going to pick the Eagles to win by one. I got one stat for you guys. Top 25 teams have never won in Paulson Stadium. Not a single one in FPS. <laughs> in FPS. <laughs> it's never happened. Um, the only one I know of, at least, it was App State that rolled in my senior year, uh, 20, what was it, 2018 season? Or 2018, 2019, 2019, there. 2019 season. And uh, and Georgia Southern came out with a win. Uh, a bad win, too. I mean, absolutely crushed them. I don't see that happening today. Georgia Southern will play well. Uh, Georgia Southern's a 12-point underdog. I think Georgia Southern absolutely covers the spread. And um, bold pick, I'm picking Georgia Southern one straight up. I know like j- teams like James Madison, usually when they get top 25, they start to have this whole rat poison thing. How it they they're going? Hey, we're we're a good team. We're top twenty five. We're we're better than these Sun Belt teams. We should be playing Alabama. We should be playing Georgia. We should be playing Oklahoma. Whoever. Um, and then they go and get beat by somebody they shouldn't get beat by. So Georgia Southern's been knocking at the door these last couple games. The offense is still rolling. Vantrese is an interception machine. But besides that, we I mean Southern moves the ball just fine. Defense is awful. Uh, it's going to be a high-scoring game, but I think George Southern comes up with a win. Wit, I don't want to poop on you, but remember last November when BYU came to Paulson? They were ranked 19th. Top 25 teams that aren't independent have never won at Paulson <laughs> Stadium. There you go. The independent there teams go. don't count. They don't count for anything. Ever. Period. Moving on. Big noon kickoff. We got number 10, Penn State. Heading to number 5, Michigan in the big house. Michigan is a 7-point favorite. I'm pretty intrigued by this game. Matt, who you got? I'm also very intrigued by this game because it's two teams that I feel like like Michigan is a very good, solid team, but I don't feel like they're like elite. I feel like they've got some weaknesses. Penn State, I'm still trying to figure out Penn State's good or not. Like I, I don't know. Like I, I feel like they are. That's why I think that they're going to keep this game close and it's going to be interesting. It's the big house, and I like Michigan at home in this game. I think Michigan comes out on top. Uh, I think they cover because they win it with an even seven. Matt, I'm with you, man. Uh, it's going to be a close game. Um, I think this is going to be one of the best games of the day for sure. Um, I'm really high on Michigan. I know Michigan's had some close games lately. Against Indiana, they ended up winning 31-10, to but it was a close game pretty much until the end of the third quarter. Uh, Michigan didn't start blowing the doors off until the end of the game. But I think Michigan is a lot more balanced than Penn State. And that's why I think Michigan's going to win. And I do think they're going to cover that seven-point spread as well. Uh, Michigan leans on the run game. Blake Corum uh, is really their main source of offense. But J.J. McCarthy is a really, really solid quarterback. Uh, You can tell if you actually watch Michigan on tape, um, their passing game is worlds better than it was last year with Cade McNamara. Uh, Ronnie Bell's back in there. Uh, they have a couple new receivers that have stepped up this year as well. Um, and then J.J. McCarthy coming in. He can sling the ball over the field. Um, he looks better than I thought he would coming out of high school. And I think they are a force to be reckoned with, even though they're having some of these more under-the-radar close games. Um, Penn State, to me, is just not balanced. Uh, Sean Clifford's not a good quarterback. He never has been. He can't throw the ball worth a crap. Uh, Nick Singletary in the backfield, the five-star freshman running back, is an absolute stud. He's the only reason they've been winning games the last couple weeks. Uh, defense is pretty solid, too. I like Michigan's defense more than I do Penn State's. It's it's close, but I like Michigan's more. Um, and I think with how one-sided uh, Penn State is on offense with the run game, I think Michigan uh, is going to handle this team pretty easily. So I'm going Michigan. I think they end up winning by double digits. Not by more than, like, 14, but I think it's going to be – a 10 to 12 point game moving on to our next pick this is one of our big 12 games we got kansas at oklahoma after kansas has lost to tcu and oklahoma's just terrible loss to texas uh in this game oklahoma is a nine and a half point favorite they bring back dylan gabriel this week um should be interesting matt what do you think yeah i found it interesting that Oklahoma opened is a such a big favorite. I feel like that's a big number for a team that's lost three in a row. Uh, but it is at home. 
and they do get Dylan Gabriel back. I've said this consistently. I still struggle to know if Kansas is really good. I mean, like, I, I think that they're a good team. But I still – maybe it's just the, the name Kansas that has me thrown for a loop. I just don't think that they are going to be as talented as – or I feel like they shouldn't be as talented as Oklahoma. And I think this is a get-right game for Brent Venables. It's hard for me to see Oklahoma losing – four games in a row i'm gonna say kansas covers and oklahoma wins this game by like somewhere between three and seven uh i i I think kansas is gonna they compete their butts off they'll do that again this week and oklahoma is gonna have to bring their best juices this week with yeah so i actually put some money down this game um so for my betting i can move the spread around a little bit if i want to it just you know makes it um I win less money if I move the spread up, but I gave myself an extra point. Uh, I took Kansas plus 10 and a half. And to me, I think it's almost for sure going to happen. I'm almost 100% sure. Kansas is going to keep it within 10 points no matter what. Uh, But with Dylan Gabriel coming back, they're playing at home. Uh, After that loss to Texas, I think Venables is going to be like, all right, look, do do you see how we're playing right now? This is embarrassing. That's that was an embarrassing loss. And you can't blame it on just the quarterback. I mean, we're not scoring points at all. So, and the defense looks terrible. Um, so I think they come out playing. I do. I do think Oklahoma wins. Um, I think it's within ten points. Um, I think it's within nine as well. I think it's a really close game uh, and a really good game as well. Um, so I'm going to take Kansas with the points. Oklahoma wins the game. Next game, we got number eight, Oklahoma State. Heading to Fort Worth, Texas, one of my new favorite places, uh, to take on number 13, TCU Horny Frogs. TCU is a four-point favorite after the win over Kansas. Matt, who you got? Yeah, it it sucks that this is going up on at the same time as uh, the Alabama-Tennessee game because I'm probably not going to watch any of it. But I really like the, the how frisky Texas Texas Christian University feels this year. Uh, Oklahoma State is a very solid team. This game being in Fort Worth is going to be the difference for me. Give me the Horny Frogs. I like I like the I like the the Texas Christian University Horny Frogs to win this game uh, straight up. And now as far as the as the spread goes, I think four points is pretty pretty fair. But I think TCU wins this game by seven. Uh, I, I don't know that Oklahoma's defense is going to be, or Oklahoma State's defense is going to be able to stop uh, th- that offense. TCU looks like they're ready to move the ball on anybody, and uh, it, it's going to be a, a fun weekend in Fort Worth. So, wit. Do look at this season so far. TCU's had one of the better offenses in the country, which has been really, really surprising. Um, but Oklahoma State has had one of the worst defenses in the country. The only team they've held to under 17 points, and they haven't played that tough of a schedule, is Arkansas Pine Bluff, and they only held them to seven. If you look at their last couple games, Baylor, whose offense hasn't looked great this year, scored 25 on them. Texas Tech scored 31. Um, Arizona State even scored 17. Um, And then Central Michigan scored 44 points on this defense. Um, I think the losses they had with uh, Tanner McAllister going to um, Ohio State with their defensive coordinator jumping with them. Uh, Derek Mason, who I think is a great coach, I just don't think he has these guys playing where they need to be right now. He doesn't have his guys in there. Um, so I think TCU coming in, Max Duggan is rolling. Dude is an absolute dual threat. He looks fantastic. Uh, their receivers are really solid too. Running backs look good. Sonny, D- Sonny Dykes has TCU playing really well. So I think TCU at home, this is going to be a big game for them. I think they're going to cement their place at the top of the Big 12 going towards the end of the season. Um, TCU wins. I think they win by 10 or more, 100%. Now moving on to our Pac-12 game of the week. Unfortunately, not a 10-30 kickoff, but still later game. I think it's an 8-30. Uh, we got number seven, USC, rolling into Salt Lake City, Utah, to take on the Utes, number 20 Utes, Utah. After losing to UCLA is a three and a half point favorite. Matt, who you got? Yeah, I oh, I keep going back and forth on this game because 
to me, USC's offense has spurts of electricity. But then we saw in that Oregon State game where they were on the road playing against a pretty good defense in Oregon State that they they can be stagnant. And Utah has the defense and the home environment. I think that they're going to pack that place this weekend. And they're coming off a loss. So I'm going to say Utah upsets USC this weekend in a very close game where it comes down to like a field goal at the end that USC misses. And that's going to be how Utah wins the game. So I, yeah, I'm going Utah here uh, by three. So USC covers. See, that's a good pick, Matt. I think USC is the better football team. Caleb Williams is one of my favorite players in the country. Um, Their receiving core is phenomenal. Uh, They've looked really good. The defense also has looked a lot better than I thought USC would this year. Um, I normally don't like USC, but I've been cheering for them pretty hard this year, mostly because I like to see the Blue Bloods that really haven't been active recently finally make that push up. Um, And I think uh, USC's on the verge of doing that. But going into Utah, Salt Lake City is a crazy place. They already have two losses, only one in the Pac-12. They really want at least another Rose Bowl uh, appearance. Um, I, I'm sure they want to win one, too. I could absolutely see them doing it this year as well. So, I think USC rolls into Utah, gets beat. I think this is the one loss USC has on their schedule this year. Um, and I think the Utes get a little uh, – get one up on Lincoln Riley in his first year. So. Going Utah, I think they win by four. I'm going to say they cover. I think it's a very, very close cover. Um, and like I said, I kind of hope USC wins this game, but I'm going to roll with Utah. Moving on to our game of the week, SEC game of the week, college day, college game day game of the week. Uh, I was very close to going to this game as well, but I'll actually be in Gatlinburg, so I, I'll kind of be close by, but. Not at the game. We got number three, Alabama, coming off the close win to Texas A&M, going up against number six, Tennessee, in the Smokies. Uh, Tennessee is a seven-point underdog to Alabama. Uh, Tennessee coming off the win against LSU. Matt, who you got in this one? My heart is telling me that Alabama is going to win this game because they do not want me to be sad. But my head's saying that Tennessee's got a real shot at this thing. I think this game has a little bit of caution for for Tennessee because all that you've heard all week this week is how good that they are because we have this recency bias like as a as a as a human race and the last thing that we saw Tennessee do was boat race LSU in Baton Rouge Tennessee struggled with Florida a little bit uh, so I, Bryce Young's a hundred percent. Alabama wins this game. Bryce Young is 90%. Bama wins this game, but it's close. If Jalen Milrow plays, we'll see, but I am not rolling with anything but the damn tide. You better believe it. Emma wins this game. They find a way, especially after there's low down, they dirty, they some snitches, those folks in Tennessee wear the puke from a pumpkin orange. It's ugly. Island Stadium looks like a garbage truck workers convention. Tide's going in there to take the trash out, baby. Let's go. Tide wins the game. I don't care about how much it is. The cigar goes down all the same. I am hammering Tennessee in this game. Hammering Tennessee. Uh, I placed probably the biggest bet for one game uh, that I have ever done. And not it's really not that big. It was $25, but still. Uh, I put it down on the balls. I've been saying since before the season started, if there's a year Tennessee is going to end the streak against Alabama, it's this year. You have a senior quarterback. He's not coming back next year. You lose most of that receiving core next year as well. Uh, This is... Uh, Josh Heupel's second year with Tennessee. The system looks great. You bring back a lot of guys on defense, even though you're still giving up 400 yards a game. Uh, I think it's a high-scoring game. I think Hendon Hooker does just enough to beat Alabama. It's going to be a close game. It's not going to be a blowout by any means. But this is setting up really, really, really nice for Tennessee. They come in rolling. They, they're probably the hottest team in college football right now. Alabama's coming in. Bryce Young's limping. He's got a hurt shoulder. 
Uh, Jalen Milrow hasn't really shown anything for me to think that he's this superstar guy that's going to come in and beat a team like Tennessee. And he very well could. And if Bryce Young comes in and plays the best visibility, Alabama's a better football team. I definitely don't think Tennessee's better than Alabama whatsoever. The game's in Knoxville. Neyland Stadium is the loudest college football stadium, the loudest stadium in general that I have ever been to. Um, I'm going to pick Tennessee in this game. Like I said, I still think Alabama's a better team, but I think the stars align for Tennessee. The cigars finally come out in Knoxville, and uh, the Smoky Mountains get a little bit more smoky Saturday night. Go Vols, baby. Rocky Top. Only time I'll ever say that. I hate them so much. What's bad is I should really be cheering for Tennessee to win that game as a Georgia fan. It makes way more sense for me to cheer for Alabama to put an SEC loss on Tennessee's schedule. But I'm not at all. I'm not doing that. I'm cheering for I Tennessee. Don't I don't blame you. I'm honestly, honestly, the reason I'm cheering for Tennessee, isn't it's not because I like Tennessee, because I hate Tennessee too. I hate Alabama. I hate Tennessee. I hate both of them. But because I talked so much crap before the season started about Tennessee beating Alabama, I've said it all season. I've had it written down for almost, might as well have been a year now, that this is going to be the year Tennessee beats them. So I got to stick with it. I'm taking Tennessee. Um, I tried to buy a Tennessee hat online that I could wear this weekend just for this game. And uh, and I got back ordered. So now I'm not going to get it to the end of October, <laughs> which is a complete waste of time. And I'm probably just going to give it to a friend of mine. But it, either way. The gesture still lives on. It is going to be an interesting game. Yeah, I'm nervous. I am very nervous. I've not been this nervous for a Tennessee game in quite a few years. Well, that's our show. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Before you guys log off today, please don't forget to drop us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow on our Instagram and TikTok at Around the Keg and on Twitter at Around the Keg Pod. If you'd like to help support future episodes, please click the support link in the description of today's episode or check out our merch at AroundTheKeg.com. Send us any questions or topics you want us to discuss on the show, and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Have a great week. See y'all.